Well, good morning. Curtis likes to get mad at the choir for not looking at him, but now maybe he sees why his lips don't move with the sound that comes out. That's a technical difficulty we're trying to work out, uh, but appreciate them putting that video together uh, every week. Um, we're going to sing Glorious Day. I hope today is a glorious day for you, not because the sun is shining or not because of your situation, but because of the victory you have in Jesus. was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my turn till I met you. I was Yes. 
I can't help, as I sing that song, think about Jesus when he said to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. He called Lazarus by name, and this man who was dead walked out of that grave. And it takes me back to June 18, 1990, when God called my name, and he brought me out of that grave. And our prayer for you this morning, as you join us for wherever you are, is that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that you are alive, no matter your circumstances, no matter the condition you find yourself in this morning. If you know Jesus, you are alive. And so we praise God for that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, you have called us by name, just as you called forth Lazarus, just, Father, as you raised Jesus from the dead. You still have that resurrection power. And, Lord, you have called us by name. And, Lord, many who are tuning in today can say, look, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of my life, that I am alive, that though we once were dead and broken, Jesus, you gave us life and you put us back together And we thank you for that. But Lord, we know that there may be people who are tuning in, who were invited by a friend or a family member. They're sitting there in their living room or at their dining room table, and Lord, they're discouraged. They're they're, they're down. They're feeling anxious and overwhelmed. They feel lifeless. Oh, Spirit of God, we invite you into our hearts. We invite you into this place, into their room, and we just pray, Lord, that we will hear from you, that we will see this morning that you are more glorious and more beautiful And more infinitely worthy than anything this world has to offer. And our hearts will always be restless until we find our rest in you. So may we find our rest in you today. We pray be glorified, be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I want to welcome you uh, this morning to Northside Baptist Church. This is week number seven that you have been tuning in from where you are there in your house. And I know some of you are watching this live. Some of you have said you go back and watch it on Sunday night or one day throughout the week. I'm just so thankful we have the technology that we can still be able to to preach the Word of God, that, that you can receive that, that we can be able to worship together. Again, just a special thank you to Curtis and Ann uh, for doing that for us. It adds so much to the worship. A special thank you to our praise team who have now been coming for seven weeks, uh, pouring into this and practicing so that we can continue to worship God together. So I'm so thankful for them. Uh, If this is your first time tuning in, uh, would you let us know? Uh, There's a number that will appear on the screen. You can text in questions. We have a QA and a later in the service. We love to hear from you if you're watching for the first time. Maybe you live nearby and you're looking for a church home and, and once the church begins to open their doors again, you're, gonna, you're planning on joining us. Would you let us know that if there's a way that we can pray for you? Uh, we want to do that as well. Again, thank you for tuning in and we pray today will be a blessing uh, to you. I was reading uh, yesterday in Psalm 47. Uh, And verses 7 and 8 just really stuck out to me. And so I want us to spend a moment just to pray through these verses. But I want to go back and read beginning in verse 5. Verse 5, Psalm 47, says, God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with the psalm. And old church, may we be reminded of verse 8 this morning. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. I'm going to ask you to take a moment right where you are just to spend some time in prayer. 
to think through and pray through this verse. Maybe you believe that God is reigning and ruling and sitting on His throne. Man, just, just lift up your hearts in praise. Maybe you have forgotten this glorious truth this morning. Would you just pray right where you are? Lord, remind me that you are a sovereign, all-powerful God, and you are reigning not only over the nations, but over the coronavirus. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord, and let's spend a moment praying through His Word.
can say it is well with my soul. If you have your Bibles, open them to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, the message this morning is entitled, The Secret of Contentment. 
The secret of contentment. We'll read uh, the text in just a moment. Uh, an airplane fly, a pilot was flying over the Tennessee mountains, and he pointed out a lake to his co-pilot. He said, see that little lake? When I was a kid, I used to sit in a rowboat down there fishing. And every time a plane would fly overhead, I'd look up and wish I were flying that plane. Now I look down and wish I was in a rowboat fishing. Contentment can be an elusive pursuit. The word content in the dictionary is defined as being satisfied with what one has, not wanting more or anything else. So I wonder this morning, would you describe yourself as being content? What is the secret of contentment? Why is it so elusive? In our text this morning, we see that contentment is something we can find, but it is found only through Jesus Christ. Let's turn to the word of the Lord, beginning in verse 10 of Philippians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Then Paul says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I want you to notice three things from our text this morning. First of all, I want you to notice, and we'll go through this point pretty quickly. Number one, I want you to notice that Paul thanks them for their concern. Paul thanks them for their concern. This is one of the reasons that Paul writes this letter, is to thank those in Philippi for their concern of him. He says in verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived or renewed your concern for me. Now, upon reading this text for the first time, it may appear as if Paul's being sarcastic. Like, finally, your concern for me was revived or renewed as if they weren't concerned for Paul. But we know that's not the case. He's not giving them a hard time because he continues in verse 10, You were indeed concerned for me. They had always been concerned about Paul. If you look at verse 18 of chapter 4, Paul says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. So the church in Philippi sends a gift to Paul, and they send it through this man Epaphroditus. Paul is thankful for this gift, and it's one of the reasons he writes this letter expressing his concern. So Paul begins his final words of this letter by saying, thank you for your concern. Just two points of application really quick. Number one. Do we care about others and their needs? We clearly see that the Philippians cared about Paul. They wanted to help him, minister to him. They wanted the best for him. They loved Paul. Do we care about others and their needs? Now, it's clear they did not always have the opportunity. Paul doesn't elaborate. We don't know why. Maybe they didn't have the resources. Maybe they didn't have the means to get it to Paul. Goodness gracious, it could be they didn't even know where Paul was. Or they didn't have cell phones where they could track people or, or a way to keep up. Maybe they didn't even know where Paul was. So whatever the reason, they didn't have the opportunity, but they still cared about him. 
In this moment, this COVID-19, I pray one of the things that God is doing in our lives is He is causing us to be more concerned, more mindful, more aware of others and their needs. The second point of application is this. When we have an opportunity to help, do we? Now, the reality is we don't always have the opportunity. Maybe we don't have the means to help someone in the way they need the help, or maybe our opportunity is limited. When I think about this, I can't help but think about my wife, Ryan. You know, when we're living in Florida, she went through a couple grandparents who, who their health began to decline and they had to go into nursing homes. And obviously when you're 12 hours away, you can't go visit them every week in a nursing home. In fact, we'd only get home two or three times a year. So Ryan didn't have the opportunity that other people had who were closer to go see her. But when she was home, when she had the opportunity, she would make the most of it. She would go by as much as she possibly could to spend some time with her grandparents. You and I need to be a people who are praying for God to open doors of opportunity. As we're in the midst of this COVID-19, people may be more receptive than ever to the gospel. Are we praying, God, open a door so that I can minister to them? Six feet distance, certainly, but so that I can minister to them, love them, share the gospel with them. And church, when God opens that door that we've been praying for, we need to be faithful through the power of the Spirit to walk through that door and speak a word of encouragement to them, to minister to them as we have that opportunity. So Paul begins briefly here by saying, thank you for your concern. And then he says in verse 11, not that I'm speaking of being in need. Paul is quick to point out to them, look, I have everything that I need. This is not Paul again trying to manipulate them. Paul's not saying, hey, thanks for the gift. Why didn't you send it sooner? He's not saying, hey, thanks for the gift. Send me some more. Or he's not doing that. He is quickly saying to them, listen, I appreciate it, but I don't have any needs. He says, I'm not speaking of being in need. And then he says something incredible here. He says, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. That's the second thing I want you to notice. Is that the Apostle Paul had learned to be content. Look what he says. For I have learned, this is something Paul learned, he came to realize this through experience. That's the idea behind this Greek word, he learned this by experience. He then says that in whatever situation, he'll expand upon that in a moment, I am to be content. What does that word content mean? Well, in the Greek, it's the word atarkes. Atarkes, Laonida in their Greek lexicon says it means pertaining to being happy with what one has, with the circumstances in which one exists. Pertaining to being happy with what one has, with the circumstances in which one exists. I like what Ray Stedman says here. He says, contentment is not having all that you want. True contentment is wanting only what you have. It's saying, God, thank you for what you blessed me with. Thank you for the circumstance in which I find myself. I don't need more than this. I'm content with what you are giving me. And it's a heart that praises God in the midst of it. Stephen Cole writes, Contentment is an inner sense of rest or peace that comes from being right with God and knowing that He is in control of all that happens to us. I wonder, do you know that this morning? Do you have that rest Do you have that peace, that rest and peace that only comes 
from being right with God? And do you believe that God knows your situation? That God is in control of your situation? That God is in control of all that happens to you? Do you believe that wherever you find yourself this morning, whatever the circumstance, that God is still in control? Because if you don't believe that, then you will never find contentment. Paul is saying, look, I'm at the point in my life that I'm content with what I have and with God's plan for my life. This is amazing to me. Paul says in whatever situation, so Paul's saying, listen, when I was in the synagogues preaching, I was content. As I'm writing this letter to you from prison, I am content. As I was traveling to all these different churches and planting churches, I was content. As I was being stoned and beaten and shipwrecked, I learned to be content. How can Paul know this? How can he say this? Well, we know that Paul had to learn this. And Paul learned this through trials. Look what he says in verse 12. He says, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger abundance and need. Paul says in verse 11, whatever the situation, I've learned to be content. He says in verse 12, in any and every circumstance, right, I've learned to be content. Do you know what this is? This is Paul's personal testimony. This is the life he lived and he's given testimony to God saying, look, I have learned how to trust God and all of it. Paul says, look, I know how to be brought love. Paul knows what it's like to have nothing, to face shame, to face humiliation, to face hunger and need. Paul says, I've been there. Paul says, I know the other extreme. I know what it's like to abound, to face plenty, to have an overabundance. The word there is to overflow, to have more than enough. Paul knew both extremes because he had suffered. If Paul never suffered then Paul never could have learned contentment. See, Paul knew, and some of you know this, Paul knew what it was like to have something and then lose it. He knew what it was like to have this in his life and then to have whatever this was taken away and to lose it. And here's what he came to realize. He realizes that Jesus is infinitely more valuable, infinitely more precious, infinitely more glorious than all the stuff that he had and lost. He learned that. But he learned it through trials and difficulties. Whenever the, the virus gets better and it's safe for you to enter into a bookstore again. Imagine you go into this bookstore and you're looking for a new book to read. And so you walk over to, to the section and you pick up a book and you flip it to the back. And you're like, well, I wonder what this book is about. And reading the synopsis, you realize the book is about this author pretty much telling you, hey, I was born great. My life has been great. I've got everything I could possibly want. I'm always going to be great. I want to tell you my story of how great I am. You're like, nah, I don't know if I want to read that. So you put it back up. You pick up another book and you flip it to the back cover and you begin to read about the synopsis and the author. And the author is saying, listen, I've been through some hard times. I've been through some great adversity. I've experienced great loss. This is my story of how I overcame adversity. This is the story of God's faithfulness in my life. Which of those two books are you going to pick up and read? Probably not the first one. 
Because there's great power in hearing stories, in hearing personal testimonies of someone who had this, who put great value in this, and this thing was taken away, and all they were left with was Jesus Christ. It's a story of God's redemption, of His helping them overcome. There is power in those kinds of stories. These are the stories of our lives, and this is how we learn contentment. Gospel contentment doesn't come from an abundance of stuff or a lack of stuff. It comes from knowing and trusting in the providence and care of God in your life. And I wonder, this morning, this first Sunday in May, seven weeks since we've been able to gather together, seven weeks really since we've been able to go through with life as normal, I wonder if you have learned more about contentment during COVID-19. I wonder if the Lord has not been speaking to all of us to say, hey, All that hope you put in your sports team, have you realized it's really not as important as you thought it was? All that hope you put in shopping or or being able to go wherever you wanted to have all of these things, right? When all of these things are taken away from you, right? Have you learned to be content? Have you learned that your hope really isn't in there? Look, I'm a huge uh, football fan. I'm a huge uh, NFL fan. Uh, Last weekend was really good for me because it was the NFL draft and my awful Cincinnati Bengals had the first pick. And I hope we took a quarterback who will change our program. But it was fascinating because everybody was doing the draft from home. And I read a quote from the Miami Dolphins coach who talked about how much he's been able to spend time at home. Helping the kids with their homework, spending time with them outside, where if he had been going through life as normal, he would have been in the office away from them, getting ready for the NFL football season. I wonder, have we learned what's really most precious and valuable in our lives? Have you learned that Jesus is infinitely more valuable, beautiful, and glorious than the things of this world that could be taken from us so quickly? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, listen to what he says. For the sake of Christ, that I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. What? I mean, I don't know about you, but don't just read over that quickly. Paul says, I'm content with weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and calamities. I'm sure Paul wasn't jumping up and down excited about these things, but he said, look, I've learned to be content in the midst of it. And then he says this, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Wow. And I got to know, Paul, how did you get there? How did you get to this point? How was Paul able to say that whatever I go through, I will be content for the sake and glory of Jesus Christ? Paul, tell us the secret. How can we get there? Thankfully, Paul tells us the secret. He says there in verse 12, In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret. He's learned it. What is it, Paul? The secret is found in verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Who strengthens me. Number two is Paul had learned to be content. Number three, Paul could do all things through Christ. Paul says he's learned the secret. What is the secret? The secret is verse 13. All things, Paul says, I can do all things. What does that mean? It is so easy. And this is one of those verses so many people do this with. They just pull it out of context. I can do all things. Listen, I can do all things does not mean that Aaron Hornsby 
can play Michael Jordan one-on-one and beat him. I won't even score a point. Like, that doesn't mean I can do all things. It doesn't mean that I can stand in the batter's box and hit somebody uh, who's throwing 90 miles per hour. I probably couldn't hit off Landon who throws 60 miles per hour. Like, it doesn't mean I can do anything. And yet some people want to make it believe. So what does it mean? Don't take it out of context. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. What is the context? The context is contentment. Paul is saying, whatever situation I face, being brought low or abounding, facing plenty or hunger, abundance and need, no matter my situation, in the midst of that, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's as if God is saying, it's as if Paul is saying, listen, anything that God asks me to do, it's as if God is saying, listen, anything that I ask you to do, any place that I put you, You cannot just exist in that moment, but you can thrive. That you can learn to be content. That you can learn to trust me wherever I put you. So what then is the secret of contentment? How can we be joyful and content in every circumstance? Well, notice what the secret is. True contentment is not found in circumstances. It is not found in possessions. It is not found in self-discipline. True contentment is not found in your circumstances. Look at this quote by John Phillips. He says, Paul had learned to live in complete detachment from his circumstances. Since his circumstances were all ordered by the Lord, all was well. So Paul, when he's preaching in the synagogue, can say, this is the Lord's will for me, so I will do it for his glory, and I will be content. And when Paul's writing from a prison... He doesn't say, God must have abandoned me. He says, no, this is the will of God for my life. So I will rest in this moment. I will trust in him. And I will use this moment for his glory. He learns to be content regardless of his circumstances. Notice contentment is not tied to your possessions. I love this quote by C.H. Spurgeon. He says, if you are not content with what you have, you would not be satisfied if it were doubled. Maybe you're thinking, Man, God, if you would just give me a bigger house or a nicer car or a better job or more security in retirement, if I would just have more of this, I would be happy. Spurgeon says, no, you won't. That if you're not content in resting in what God has given you, then he could double, triple, quadruple it, and it would still not be enough for you. Our joy, our contentment is not found in circumstances or in possessions, and it is not found in self-discipline. Go back to verse 13. Notice what it doesn't say. I can do all things, period. This is not about Paul's ability or Paul's self-discipline. It is not about your ability or your strength or your self-discipline. It doesn't matter how much education you have, how much you've trained for this moment. It is not I can do all things, period. Here's the secret. True contentment is Christ-centered. Jesus Christ is the secret. He is the key to contentment. Look what Paul says. I can do all things through him. That is Jesus who strengthens me. One author says the promise here, the picture here is something empty that is being filled by an outside source. You think of an empty glass and water is being poured into it. Or an empty coffee mug and coffee is being poured into it. 
The picture here is that Jesus Christ pours His strength into my hopeless and helpless situation. And when we have the power and strength of Christ, we can be content in every situation and in every circumstance. Hear me, church. You have the resources of an infinite, all-powerful God at your disposal every second of every day. That means whatever temptation you face, you have the power of God to give you victory over every temptation. It means that you have grace for every trouble that you will face. It means that you will have strength for every task and every situation. Church, if God is in it, then you can do it. If God is in it, He will supply you the strength to do it. Man, I hope and pray that as you have been away from the body of Christ, that God has been working and stirring in your heart. As you've been in the Word of God, that the Lord is leading you and prompting you to serve Him and and to serve others. And maybe you're thinking, man, God's calling me to get more involved in the church. He's calling me to maybe start serving in children's ministry. Or he's, He's calling me to begin to share the gospel more faithfully. He's maybe even calling me to some type of missions. And maybe you begin to think, but but I can't do it. I'm not able. I'm not equipped. Listen, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. If God is calling you to do it, then you be faithful. You surrender to Him and you trust that He will supply your every need. Paul says, I've learned the secret. This was interesting to me as I studied. Every commentary I read said that this phrase, learn the secret, was a Greek expression. That it was often used in the pagan mystery cults to describe initiations of new members. I don't know if you've ever joined something and you had to go through an initiation. But the reality is, at least in these mystic initiations, they were rarely easy. It was difficult to get into these secret societies. And they were often kept secret. It was a mystery hidden from the masses. Church, learning contentment is rarely easy. We often learn the best when we suffer the most. But thankfully, Paul has not kept the secret to himself. He declares it for not only the Philippians to read, but for you and I to read today. The secret is drawing on Christ's strength. That's the secret. But is that enough? Is Jesus really enough? Is it as simple this morning as giving your heart and your life to Jesus? Is it as simple as recommitting your life to Christ? Is it really that simple that Jesus is enough? And I would say, yes, it is. Because He is our sovereign, sufficient, all-powerful Savior. Several years ago, I preached through the Gospel of Mark at my previous church. And so I remember as I was working my way through the Gospel of Mark, reading through it several times before I began to preach it, I began to notice Jesus' power, uh, His authority over certain things. And so there in the side margins or at the bottom of the page, I would begin to write, Jesus has power over this. And so this week as I was preparing for this, the Lord prompted that. And I went back and I just began to look through the Gospel of Mark. And I just want to share some of these things with you. And this again, again, is just from the the Gospel of Mark. But I want you to see the power of Jesus, the authority of Jesus on display. Jesus has power and authority over fevers. When he goes into Peter's mother-in-law's room and she has a fever and she's very sick and he heals her. 
Jesus has authority and power over various diseases. We see his power over leprosy. We see Jesus' power and authority to forgive sins. You remember the story of the paralytic man who couldn't get in, and so they lower him through the roof. And Jesus says to him, But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Jesus has the authority to forgive your sins. Jesus has power over nature. He stands on that boat and he simply says, Peace, be still. And the winds and the waves obey their Lord and their Master. Jesus can do what doctors can't. You remember the story of the woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years. It says that she had exhausted her resources. She had been to the best physicians. And she moves her way through the crowd and Jesus doesn't say a word. She simply touches the hem of his garment and she is healed. Jesus can do what people can't do. Jesus has authority over death when he says to that little girl, little girl, I say to you, arise. Jesus has power and authority over your daily needs. We think of the thousands that are on the hillside, hungry, wanting some food. And Jesus takes five loaves of bread and two fish, and he feeds the thousands by the thousands, and there are leftovers. Jesus has that kind of power. Jesus has power over our senses. He makes the deaf to hear, the mute to speak, the blind to see, the lame to walk. But there is not a greater display of the power of God than the words, He is risen, He is not here. Hear me. Jesus Christ is the sovereign, sufficient, all-powerful Savior. He is enough for you. He is enough. But I wonder this morning, is Jesus really enough for you? Is He enough? True contentment comes only when we are captivated by God Himself. When we realize that apart from Christ, we will never know joy. We will never know peace. We will never know hope. But that through Jesus Christ, we can not only know these things, but that we can know our Heavenly Father who created us and sustains us. And so we submit to Him. We learn to trust Him in every situation. We are strengthened by Him so that we might live for Him and serve Him in every circumstance, we come to learn that the God of the mountain is the same God in the valley. And we learn that Jesus is the crucified, risen, reigning, and returning King. And you can know Him. He is sufficient. He is enough. And in knowing Him, you will learn the secret of contentment. Two weeks ago, we talked about how we are to rejoice. We're to know the peace of God, that we are to be reasonable, that we are not to be anxious. Last week, we talked about that if we are not fixing our minds on the things above, on the right things, that, that our hearts will be anxious. We will not know joy. That we need to set our minds on the right things, and the God of peace will be with us. And I think all of that then flows right into what Paul says here. I've learned to be content, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. Do you know Jesus? Is he enough for you? And has he been teaching you in the midst of this pandemic that he is enough? See and savor Christ 
Give your life to him. Submit to him. Worship him, for he is worthy. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? Father God, we find ourselves as a nation, as a world, maybe, Lord, in a position we never thought we would have seven weeks ago. Lord, where many freedoms that we enjoy have been taken away, stripped away, one of those, God, being the ability to worship together. We're longing for that. Lord, we have heard of people we know getting sick. We have grieved the loss of loved ones during this time. Some people have lost a job or their hours have been cut back. They've gone to the grocery store and they've had to struggle with needing certain items, maybe for their children, maybe for themselves, and they haven't been there. And they wonder, when will I be able to get these things? Lord, we have experienced the loss of a lot of things over these past seven weeks. God, my prayer is that you are doing something powerful in the midst of it. And Lord, I look forward to the day when, when the setting is right, that we can just begin to hear the testimonies of what God has done in our lives in the midst of this, of what he taught us, of what he showed us about ourselves or about you, of how he strengthened us and renewed us. Lord, I pray one of those things that we hear over and over and over is that we learned in the midst of this to see and savor Jesus Christ more clearly and more fully. That we will hear testimonies of people standing and saying in the midst of great loss, Jesus was sufficient. In the midst of being scared for my life, Jesus was enough. That no matter what I face, from the mountains to the valleys, I have learned that my God can be trusted. That we will give our hearts and our lives to you. Father, if anyone at this moment doesn't know you, they have never confessed their sins, never repented from their wicked ways, never taken hold of Jesus, never declared him to be Lord and Savior, Savior of their life. That, God, they would do that right now. The Spirit of God, you would bring them to their knees. That you would work so powerfully in their heart. That they would not even begin to understand what you were doing, but they would begin to just to feel the presence of God calling them by name. Saying, I have chosen you. I'm about to redeem you. I'm about to transform your life forever. But you must surrender. You must bow your knee and your heart to me. Oh God, may people do that today. Crying out to you, Lord God. Lord God, save a wretch like me. And oh Lord, I pray that we can all declare with Horatio Spafford, it is well with my soul. That is true contentment. To say no matter my lot in life, it is well with my soul. Oh God, speak to us, we pray. We love you. We're so thankful for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for that, Pastor Aaron. Um, man, just learning contentment and the, the secret of contentment. Um, 
you know, so I, again, tried to write down some applications as we were going through. One of the things that I had written down uh, was that this, this word that's used here by Paul, uh, where he says to learn a secret, is a word, and you, you already referenced that, that's often used of these Eastern mystical mm-hmm. religions. And so their idea is, hey, here's a secret to life. If you will follow these steps, you will obtain the secret. Yep. Uh, Christianity is completely different Amen. than that. We say yep. the secret is, is not some teaching or, or it's not some state of your mind. It's not some, some doctrine that you follow. The secret is, is, is Jesus. That's right. And it's really, it, he, he calls it a secret, but he, then he reveals what it is. So it's not a secret any longer. His name is Jesus, and so it's, it's all about Jesus, so, um, and satisfied only in him. Uh, to your first point where it says that Paul thanks the, the church in Philippi, and he says, that, you know, and, and then your, your statements under that were, we are to be aware of needs and we are to act on them. And so I, I think about one of my professors who shared, and I won't get this exactly right here, but who shared that every morning his prayer, it, it's a little different, but there's certain elements that are included mm-hmm. every morning in his prayer. One is, he says he gives something like a Roman salute, where uh, Roman soldiers, would, they would say, my heart belongs to Caesar, or belongs to the king. And so he says, my heart belongs to you, King Jesus. And so, uh, forgive me for I have failed you. Fill me with your spirit. Because uh, I can only act and move is, 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 is if you are filled in my, my if, if your spirit fills me, but then this, give me the opportunity to glorify you. And so that can come in a number of different ways, but it's to give me the opportunity to see someone in need and help meet that need, or give me the opportunity to share the gospel with someone. And I believe when we pray that, uh, we that, that God gives that. That's you know. Absolutely. Sometimes we say, are, "Are we praying God's will?" Well, can, can I just tell you, God wants us to share the gospel. Yeah. So when we pray that, he, certainly He will. Yeah. He will. That's that's a prayer that that He will answer. Um, and so that's just one thing. I don't know how you pray when you get up in the morning, but but that is certainly a prayer to just say, "God, give me the opportunity to give You glory and sure. to glorify You, just to share uh, Christ with others." That's great. That goes right back to what we were talking about last week. When I was talking about getting up in the morning, what's the first thing you do? I mean, take yeah. your mind there, and that will guide the rest of your day. That's good. That's right. And then the, the second uh, point there about learning contentment, um, I wrote down just as an application for that, because you were talking about uh, the, the two books. If you go to a bookshelf, uh, and I have said this several weeks now, uh, Actually, probably several years, but for, since we've been doing this, it's simply this. Tell your story. Yes. Share yes. your testimony. Uh, I know that one of, at least one of my students has recorded her testimony and put it on social media, and we can see that and hear mm. that, yeah. and it's refreshing because as you have struggled through different things, someone else may be able to identify yeah. with that, and you point them back to Christ in that moment. Um, in fact, that's, that's very biblical. We are yeah. to comfort others with the comfort with which, with which we have received. Um, and so, um, and then I just wrote down this, this note. This was a little different take because Paul had gone through some difficulty and he had learned contentment. And I believe it's possible that we go through difficulty and we learn nothing. 
mm. and how foolish that yeah. is for us to go through a difficult moment and to come out unscathed, unchanged, really. Well, I don't guess you're ever unchanged. Maybe you're just hardened to yeah. even further to, to what you've gone through. But those difficult times, yeah. they ought to teach us something. So I got a few more things, but some text or that, that's good. I, I remember. I think it was the first week I said, "Don't waste this opportunity. Whatever we're going through, don't waste it." And I think one way we waste that is if, when it's all said and done, we're like, "Well, I'm not changing any. It didn't impact me any." Yeah. I think we waste this season. So that's good. That's a great that's point. Right. Learn from it. Somebody sent in a message that says, "Thanks to the praise team. Amen. Uh, awesome service. Thank you for all that you do. So, fantastic." Uh, and then we did have somebody that asked, um, do you plan to continue the Q&A time after the church is able to meet in regular circumstances again? And I, I just say we've heard a lot of people who, um, just a lot of positive feedback from this time. And so uh, I, I don't know what that would look like. Maybe we can. Maybe, I, I don't know how we do that and do it well. Um, but that's certainly something that we're, considering so I, yeah. I can't answer that definitively right now but I, I guess the question would be are you willing to worship for an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes because right now we've cut almost everything out with just a couple songs or before we'd have that we'd still be here an hour and 15 minutes and I certainly don't want to cut out that praise and worship time so right we can maybe do something maybe not weekly but Figure something out. yeah yeah um but I'm thankful that you guys have enjoyed that yeah. and that it's, that it's been meaningful to you. So. That's right. And those of you who haven't, you haven't told us. So <laughs> there you go. Thank keep you. that to yourself. Yes. Yeah. We appreciate uh, that. Um, then uh, your third point, Paul could do all things. And so I was in a conversation this, this past week with someone here at the church, and we were discussing missions and mission opportunities. And, man, so the International Mission Board, last time I checked, they're not sending anybody, they're not training anybody new, they're not bringing anybody home through the month of June. Uh, and so they're still doing, so how do we do that? And, and one of the things that we were looking at just for our church, for Northside, is what, what are we going mm -hmm. to do, not only to impact our community, but to fulfill that mandate to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. So are we going overseas? And so through this conversation, we, we got some really exciting stuff. Not ready yeah. to share that just yet. These are some of those secret things that I there just we said. Go. We don't yeah. have secrets, right? But I will let you know when, when that time is, yes, is right. ready. Um, and we just kind of ended with this. If we pray and we seek after God and we really feel like he's calling us to something, then we must trust that he will provide whether that is the right people to go, yeah. the, the, the money to accomplish the task. We still want to be good stewards, but if, if it's something that God is calling us to, we trust that he's going to provide. Even if we can't yeah. see the means of provision, that we, we trust that he's going to provide. So, That's good. Let me just kind of add to that. If you're, if you're struggling with, I think God's calling me to do this, but I'm not sure, you don't have to make that decision alone. That's where the church body comes together, where you can go to people you trust and say, hey, this is what the Lord's laying on my heart. What do you think? Will you, will you pray with me? I mean, we do this with people going into the ministry. I remember when I was licensed, I stood up and I said, look, I feel God's calling me into the ministry. And then I preached and was questioned by my church, and they said, yes, we agree. But if I was a horrible preacher and living in sin, they probably would have said, we don't agree. You are not being called to the ministry. You're, you're confused. And so if you're not sure, is God calling me to do this? 
seek out godly wisdom and advice and let other people help you in that. That's right. That's right. Um, and so uh, we have someone that says that they like the quote about contentment and possessions, and, and I think that's the Spurgeon quote that uh, wouldn't be satisfied even if it was doubled. Yeah. Uh, the virus has taken a lot away, making us more appreciative of what God has provided during this time. And mainly, that's just focusing our relationship on our relationship with, yeah. with Him. Um, so someone suggested a Q&A time on Sunday night, come back together for the evening service. That way they can think about their questions and make them harder, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, no, I mean, that's, that's, that's very much a, a possibility. Yeah. So... I, I wrote this down. When we talk about, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, we know there was a very famous football player that put that right under his, his, his eyes. And, he, he's, and, and he's even come out. I, I actually heard him live just when we could still gather together. Um, it, it was live. And, and, and he talked about, he said, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden I can bench press more. And yeah. so, so he's come back and had to yeah. you know, talk through that. But um, Tim Tebow is who I'm talking yeah. about, if you don't know. But. Um, in that idea that we can do all things through Christ, it's, it's what, what has he called us to? Mm-hmm. We can do those things. And, and then I, I wrote this now. If everything in my life can be satisfied by my own intellect, talent, ability, moxie, or sheer determination, then I'm just living too small of a life. Mm. If what I do, I don't have to depend upon God, mm then I'm probably just living too small. Um, and, and I need to seek, what is God really calling me to? Yeah. And then good. trust that he will prepare me and lead me in that. Um, so, all right, well, you guys are not sending in very many questions today. So uh, maybe they're just hungry, ready to eat. Uh, Could be. But uh, then the last thing I wrote down here, uh, just a something that, that I learned about just this week because we talk about going through difficult times and are we changed, are we getting better through those difficult times. Uh, I learned this week that there were some students at Georgia Tech in a physics class that were caught cheating. And so, um, yeah, we, we, I got a nod here. We got one student here with us and uh, he gave me a nod. and. Uh, but they were caught cheating, and, and they, were, they were told, you can either come forward and basically withdraw from the class, or you can go ahead. And uh, if we determine you were one of the ones that were cheating, you'll, you'll fail the course. And so uh, I, I learned something uh, when I was a student taking that same class. I loved physics, too, so much. I took it three times. Um, and so... Uh, I had, a, I had a horrible, a horrible uh, study ethic. And so uh, I remember my professor saying, uh, no matter what your grade is, the final is worth an awful lot. So if you do this, if, if, you, if you do well in the final, you know, it'll pull your grade up. And I went and talked to him. I said, look, there have been, uh, been four exams so far, this last one. I said, I made a 20 on, on each of the first four exams. Um, and he just laughed at me. He said, I wasn't talking about you. <laughs> so I got my F and I took it on the chin and on the on the tail and and so uh, anyway, failure is not final. I did graduate. I finally passed that class and um, it, we we learn through those difficult mm-hmm. moments and they and they make us better. Um, and so 
um, yeah, con contentment, learning to be content with, with what we have and learning through difficult circumstances uh, to depend upon God uh, because that is our ultimate source of contentment. So that's what I have. Do you have anything else you want to share? Yeah, one of the verses that just really spoke to me this week is in Hebrews 13. And uh, it says in verse 5, Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then he says this, So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And when our, when our faith gets to the point that we can say, look, God, you're in control. You'll never leave me, never forsake me. What can man do to me? And we really begin to trust him in all things and learn to be content in all things. And one other quote that just really spoke to me this week, Ralph Martin, he says, In whatever conditions of life he finds himself, he discovers the will of God for his situation. I think sometimes we spend more time praying God, change my situation, get me out of this. Instead of maybe our first thought should be, God, whatever your will is, if it's to get me out of this, that's fine. But if I'm to go through this and walk through this for a while, help me just to discover what you're doing in the midst of it. Show me your will, and, and then at the appropriate time, you'll see me through this trial. So um, those two really just jumped out at me. That's all I got. Do you want to share anything that we discussed this morning? Or yes. So uh, you're probably wondering, all right, where do we go from here? What's the plan? When are we going to be able to gather together to worship again? Uh, I, I heard a great quote a couple weeks ago, uh, and he simply said this, there are no perfect decisions in the midst of a crisis. Uh, our country, our world is in the midst of a crisis. Pastor BJ and I, we're not going to be able to make a perfect decision. Whatever decisions we make, some of you may think, man, that's too strong. I don't know why we're doing that. Or some of you may think, hey, you're opening back up too quickly. What are you doing? And so we understand that we're not going to get unanimous agreement in this. So, um, so what our plan is, and, and it was discussed this morning, is that in two weeks, we'll give you more details going forward, but in two weeks, May 17th, I've seen several other churches in the same line, that we will uh, be able to gather for the first time as a church family in, in this facility. Now, there's a lot I can say to that, uh, and, I, and I'll address some of that in a moment. Uh, May 17th is the target date that we have decided. Uh, today, first Sunday of the month, we were to have a deacons meeting. It was scheduled. So what we did is this morning at 9 a.m. in the fellowship hall, our deacons met. Uh, we talked about the plan. Uh, we came into the sanctuary we, we separated some chairs, took out some chairs. We have to maintain six feet distancing a family unit. So we just looked, hey, what does this look like? Um, our deacons, since they were here anyways, have stayed to worship with us. Uh, so they and their families are here so we could get an idea as to how many people we can safely fit within the sanctuary. Uh, so we have that number. So what you will get from us probably tomorrow, I guess, as soon as possible, is we'll send out a survey, uh, put it, probably put it on Realm, send it out through MailChimp, probably even put it maybe on Facebook, send out a survey that we basically just want to know from you your name and are you planning on coming on May 17th? Are you comfortable? If you are, that's fine. We want to make sure we have adequate room 
Uh, do we need to look at some other things to do that? Please hear me. Because we pick May 17th does not mean you have to feel like you have to come back. We want you to understand. We want you to return when you are comfortable. Every situation is different. You may, you may be caring for an elderly family member and you just say, look, I can't run the risk right now. It's going to be longer. We understand. Uh, whatever your reason may be, we want you to return when you feel it is safe and we are to make this place as safe as possible when you return. Um, so when you feel it is comfortable to come back, you come back. We will continue to do what we're doing. We'll continue to live stream the service. We'll, we'll put in the time and effort so no one is excluded from that. Uh, we want to hear from you. We want to continue to love on you and encourage you the best way that we can. But the plan is to open our doors on May 17th. And once we get the survey back, we will then give you the details um, as to what that will look like. And again, that is up to your discretion. We are allowed to meet. The governor is giving us that choice. We just have to be responsible uh, when we meet. I'm sure there's a lot I'm missing. you have anything you want to add to that? Um, well, we, in, in that email or in that conversation that we have with you, we'll, we'll spell out some of those details and some of the safety precautions that we are taking. But this doesn't mean that we are back up and running full schedule. Correct. It, it's just worship. In fact, we, we yep. won't even have a nursery during that time because, and, and we're going to, you know, have limited access to, to restrooms yes. because we won't be able to be able to come in, worship, and then, we, and then we go home. And so uh, we're trying to do that and, and be efficient with that. Yeah. And uh, there is, it's just, I hope that in this time, one of the things is there's been a burden that just says, I want to gather with the body of Christ and lift up the name of Jesus and magnify the name of Jesus with other like-minded believers. And so yeah. if, if, if we're like the psalmist, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go yeah. into the house of the Lord. Um, and so... Yeah, I, I think there are other details that will be forthcoming. And if you want to ask us, you can, yeah. you can send us a message. You can ask us. You should have access to our email or our, our phone numbers and can, can let us know. We can try to help answer that. But there will be some more information coming out tomorrow. And, and the other thing um, that is important, if you have not heard this, is just a couple days ago uh, when the gover governor's executive order, stay home order, ended, he issued a new one. Uh, and so that is through June 12th. Um, you can find that online, that 65 years of age and older, people in nursing homes, if you have chronic lung disease, diabetes, I mean, there's six or seven things, immunocompromised, you are to shelter in place till June 12th. Um, and so we understand that. That's why we're going to continue to, to live stream. If you know of somebody, hey, they, they can't watch the service, let us know, and maybe there's something we can do to help them get online so they're not completely disconnected for the next four months. So we, we know there are those uh, factors as, as well. Reach out to your deacon um, and let them know if there's a way that they can serve you as well. So That's right. Yeah, somebody asked about Sunday school. And for the foreseeable future, Sunday school will continue working as it, as it has been. I know that for the children or maybe preschool, there's a, a live, uh, live stream Zoom meeting this afternoon at 2 o'clock. So... Um, but anyway, yeah. I think so May 17th, May 24th, May 31st, I believe are the dates we're talking worship only. There'll be no childcare, no Sunday school. It's strictly to gather to worship. And again, we'll give you more of those details, uh, going forward.
um, with and that. So somebody sent this in, and they may have sent it be before we discussed it, but just want to reiterate. It says on May 17th, will there be Sunday school or childcare for kindergarten and under? No, there will not be. We just don't know how we can do that and maintain all those stipulations that are in place. Yeah. So. Look, if you man, if you have young children, bring them. If you say, well, they they may make noise. I I, I just welcome. I mean, I've been so excited this morning to be able to look out and see some people. There's been some noise. It hasn't distracted me. I welcome that. So please don't let no child care uh, keep you home. If you think, well, I, I got too many kids, then maybe bring your oldest and rotate. You and your spouse rotate what Sundays. But I don't want that to keep you home. But at this point, we don't feel it's safe enough to open back up nursery and children's church and, and those things. That's a slow, gradual yeah. process. So. And again, if you're not comfortable, we understand. Uh, you come back when, when you feel it's comfortable for you. And we just want to love on you and meet those needs the best way that we can. you have anything else that you would like to add to that? All right, well, we want you to know we love you. Um, we, we do sincerely miss you and cannot wait uh, until we can gather together again. And I do believe there will be just this, this preciousness uh, about our gathering. So let's close with a word of prayer. Father God, you are good and you are sovereign. And oh God, I pray that you have impressed that upon our hearts over these last seven weeks. Lord, yes, life has been turned upside down and it's not just been something here in Noonan or Georgia or even in the United States of America or North America. Lord, it's been worldwide. And oh God, my prayer is that in the midst of this, you are doing a work, God, that we can't even begin to see, understand, or even explain. That, Lord, people are being saved. Lord, that lives are being transformed. That marriages are being healed. Lord, that you're opening doors for people. And, and God, that when life kind of gets back to semi-normal, when we can begin to gather again, we can begin to share these stories. Lord, that that your name will just be magnified over and over and over and over again, for you are worthy of this. Lord, I, I just continue to pray for Pastor BJ, uh, for myself. Uh, Lord, as we continue to lead uh, through this, Lord, I lift up Brother Curtis and Ann to you. Lord, I know they miss being here. Lord, I, I know they long to be back. And others, God, who long to be back, but at this point it's just not safe enough for them. They just can't run that risk. And so, Lord, we just want to want to continue to encourage them and love on them and support them any way uh, that we can. Lord, for those of us who are able to gather in a couple weeks, Lord, I just pray that we'll continue just to be wise in that. Lord, that you'll prepare us, that we will respect other people, we'll respect their space, we'll respect their health. Uh, Lord, that we, we don't want to invade upon that in any way. Lord, we want to be so wise. Lord, we, want to, we just want to exalt you in all that we do. Lord, we may not like our circumstances that we find ourselves in, but Lord, we just want to make the most of it. And we want to do it in a way that, Jesus, you receive the glory. Thank you, God, again for our praise team. Thank you, Father, for our deacons who, Lord, have been serving their families so well, trying to keep them connected, staying in contact with them. Uh, Lord, they're going to be the front lines in a lot of this as we open back up and making sure people are healthy and things are kept sanitary and clean. And uh, Lord, just bless them and, and their families. Bless our church, Lord, we pray. Oh, God, bless us. 
be gracious to us. May your mercy, God, just be so evident in our lives. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.